little bit about the Bubna genes. Uh, I'm, I'm the oldest surviving Bubna. I'm the uh, patriarch. I'm the living legend. <laughs> I was the oldest of three sons, and I'm the only surviving one. And your father was the youngest. Number three. Yep. He was number three. And um, my brother Paul, the mid boy, and I felt all our lives, adult lives, that your father had the most talent of the three of us. He had uh, original gifting from God, could compose, could sing, could write, could direct television and radio. He did that. Was a pastor, could turn things around very, very quickly. That's who your father was. And your Uncle Paul was one of the greatest preachers that I knew. Uh, he became president of a seminary, became president of our denomination, was an author. So those are the genes. But I haven't told you about me. Mom loved me best. <laughs> and you don't you forget that. Well, so those, those are the He's the oldest. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because it's my first Sunday here, I do have a wish about being here that maybe I should tell you about. You're right, I travel a lot. I preach all over the country and sometimes in the cities too, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I was at a place not terribly long ago and I preached my heart out and the pastor said, would you stand with me uh, you know, out in the lobby afterwards? So I did. And people came through the line saying, you know, the normal things, nice service and that. But one guy came through the line with his head down and he kept saying, too long, too long, too long. <laughs> and I didn't pay much attention to him, but he came through the line a second time mumbling, uh, too boring, too boring, too boring. <laughs> he came through the line a third time. And he was saying, heard it all before, heard it all before. So I said to the pastor, who is this guy anyway? He said, Don, don't pay any attention to him. He doesn't have it all together upstairs. He just goes around repeating what other people are saying. <laughs> so so I, I, you know, I hope a little better re, you know, re, oh reception uh, here today. I God really help do. us. Yeah. That's good. I think we want to get to what's at hand. Haddon Robinson is one of the greatest preachers, I think, of our yeah, time. He is. And uh, he writes about a cemetery outside of New York City that has an unusual tombstone. It's marked with a single word, the word forgiven. There is the person's name, but no date of birth or date of death, just the word forgiven. And Haddon Robinson says, this is the greatest word that could be attributed to any man or woman or ever put on a gravestone forgiven. And I want us this morning to sense something of the awesome power of the word forgiven. In, in Mark's gospel, Jesus heals a man who is paralytic. And uh, he, he says, uh, your sins are forgiven you. And the man is healed. And in this, Jesus is saying... The power of forgiveness is as dramatic as the power of healing. So today I want us to experience deep healing in our inner being as we understand that we are forgiven and uh, it is the will of God for us to forgive one another. Now, we're going to demonstrate that a little bit today. By the way, Betsy, she's Latin, isn't she? 
Yes, she I is. mean, she <laughs> uses her hands. She's great. Yeah. She's really uh, into it. Uh, Betsy, where are you? We talked about this before the service. So that's a lobby at this point. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I like it. Uh, in the church where we worship, uh, there are 200 people who are part of the deaf community. About 5% of our congregation are hearing impaired. And in two of the services, everything is signed because that's the language of people who cannot hear. And I'm going to teach you two words, signing words. They're not perfectly signed, but the general idea is this. The word, when you hold your thumbs in like this and lift your hands, would you do that with me? Absolutely. Yeah. Come on. It is the word for receive. Receive. And, and I want you to receive and look up to God. And what God wants to give us is forgiveness. Like the song we sang, his grace to cover us. Put your hands down. Now open your thumbs like you're passing something out. And that's about giving. As we have received forgiveness, we're to give forgiveness. Do it once more. As we have received, we are to forgive. Jesus said, freely, freely you have received, therefore freely, freely give. Now, that's the heart of the gospel. And that's what our you know, dialogue is about today. Um, I, I have a few uh, stories to tell. Uh, that really doesn't surprise you. Yeah, it doesn't surprise you at all, does it? I, you know, I can tell what surprises you. There, there are stories about, well, if you identify, if you have a sensitive heart to God and people, you'll identify with these stories because we all feel guilty at times. Uh, the green sheet in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, not long ago, said this. If you see a squad car and you do not slow down, it probably means you're parked. <laughs> okay. You identify with that? Okay. Or in terms of guilt, maybe you heard the story about the guy who wrote a letter to the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, and said, uh, I falsified some statements on last year's income tax. And I am enclosing $150. If I still can't sleep, I will send the rest soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like the one about the uh, Sunday school teacher of little guys was saying to the class, in order to be forgiven of your sin, what do you have to do first? Little guy raised his hand and said, you have to sin first. We are all sinners. We sang this morning. I was thinking about that as we were singing, you know, about the wonders of the cross and the grace that has come down. We've received, receive it afresh today, forgiveness, and extend it to one another. That is the good news of the gospel. Hey, are there some things that you and I should talk about in terms of this? You know, I... I've talked with you about forgiveness lots of times. And one of the things that my uncle does is he's on the board of directors of Peacemakers, which they're all about reconciliation and forgiveness. But tell us why you think this is so hard. Why is it so hard for so many of us? That's a great question. Listen to my response. This is not the ultimate answer, but these are the answers that, that I'm sensing and I'm sensing out of my own life. 
It, it is hard for me to forgive other people because I don't comprehend my sin or God's holiness. We were singing this morning about God being holy. I think your singing was sincere. I sense that. But we really don't understand God's holiness and our sinfulness. As I think of my own sinfulness, I think of one of the most putrefying scenes that I have caught hold of in decades is what happened at the Superdome last week. So here were, were these tens upon thousands of people in this shelter and uh, garbage everywhere, urine everywhere, human fetus everywhere, people having to sleep in this. There were four murders while they were there and a number of rapes, complete lawlessness. That's my sins. And I, I, I want to acknowledge that, you know, um, the big sins, murder, maybe adultery, crimes. But I want to say, you know, my gossiping or my having anger or resentment is no big deal. It fits with all the other sins. They are not categorized by God. You read Paul's letters and see the list of sins and with all the gross sins he talks about a spirit of divisiveness of gossip and of anger so it, it's hard for me to forgive because I don't want to really admit that that's a big sin it is and I really don't sense the holiness the spotlessness of God the last place I would want to go last week to live would have been the Superdome because of the filth, the hopelessness. That's what God did in Christ in Philippians 2 when he came and was incarnate in the flesh. So in order to be able to forgive, I need to understand the holiness of God. I need to understand something of the awfulness of my sin. So our true condition. Our true right. condition. Right. I need all that grace. I need all that forgiveness. So when I come to worship with God's people, I want to honor God's holiness. But I want to do that in humility. Well, define forgiveness for us. I mean, that's a word that lots of Christians use. We hear it all the time. Yeah, okay. But how would you define what forgiveness is? Let me put it in shoe leather. It is my willingness to give up my resentment. To give up my anger. To give up my right to punish you for what you've done. It's my canceling the debt you owe me. That's what forgiveness is. Not seeking revenge. No. Yeah. Giving it up. And see, some of us need to learn to give that up to people who have not asked forgiveness yet. 
me tell you a wonderful story. This is a story that came out of East Germany. Uh, when East Germany fell to the communists, the communists came in and took over, took people's farms, small farmers, and they made them collective farms. So all of a sudden, you no longer own your own property. And uh, there was a great Christian whose name was Uber Homer, who experienced all of this. And because he was a Christian, he was not allowed to travel to visit people of his congregation who were displaced. His kids were very bright kids, and they came through school, but they were denied entrance into the university because of his faith. And at last, um, in the late 80s, when the Berlin Wall fell, uh, the head of the Communist Party was kicked out. You know, he, he became homeless. Eric Honecker was his name. He was literally put out on the street by the East German people because of all he had done. And he's put out on the street. And no hotel will take him. No institution will take him. Nobody's, he has no place to go. And Erbic Homer says to his wife, what is our responsibility to this man? And he gathered his children and said, we have been forgiven by God. How do we respond to this man? And they agreed together to go and invite this man to stay in their home. Their kids gave up their bedroom so that this man could stay there. And they said, we've been forgiven by Christ. We have freely received. Therefore, we freely give. Wow. That's forgiveness. I think you better lighten this up a little bit. It's pretty heavy, you know. That's all right. Okay. Um, have you ever read the theology according to peanuts? <laughs> no. Uh, the, the one thing I read in the paper, especially on Sunday, you know, is the, the peanuts thing. I mean... Charlie Schultz, he wrote a lot of these over 50 years ago. And he has a profound understanding of, uh, of human nature. He's a Christian, too. He, yes, he is. That's right. He was raised in a very evangelical background. And this comes through in, in his story. So I want, I want to walk you through this one together. And then I'm going to ask you a question about it. And I'm going to ask you to ask the question to some of the people you talked to before. Okay? Okay. Okay, here we go. And this is a classic, and uh, here's Charlie Brown saying uh, to Snoopy, you know, Snoopy is the dog, the beagle. And Charlie says, uh, Poochie's here, and she wants to see you. And Snoopy is lying on his back on top of the doghouse and says, I don't want to see her, not after what she did to me. You ever heard that line? Okay. And Charlie says, that was a long time ago. And Snoopy says, I don't care. We beagles have memories like beagles. So now he goes back in his imagination, and this is what he sees. He tells the story of the past. There I was, an innocent little puppy, bouncing around the yard one day, eager to please, willing to do anything for a little affection. Then this little girl comes along, Poochie. Poochie was her name, and she had a stick in her hand. Hi, cute puppy, she says. Do you want to chase the stick? So she throws the stick, and I, like a fool, go running after it. 
I fall over myself, bumping my nose and getting a mouthful of mud. I go running back with the stick, bright and eager, just in time to see her walking away with an English sheepdog. <laughs> and Charlie Brown says, I'm amazed that you remember that. And Snoopy says, how could I forget? I still have the stick. Okay. Um, when Jesus taught, he had people talk together. So I'm going to have you talk together for a moment. And I just want you to turn to somebody you talked before and say, uh, ask the question, what do you think this cartoon is saying about us? What's it saying about human nature? Just talk together for a moment. Now look around. Make sure nobody is left out. Just say, you know, what is this saying about human nature? Okay. What, what is it saying? Good. Some of you are moving across the aisle. P pick up somebody who's not there. All right, um, I'm going to ask you to call out now. I, I have a question for you. What did you hear somebody say? You know, what did they answer to what is this saying about human nature? What did you hear said? We hold on to stuff. What else? Yeah, we, we lack forgiveness. Why is this cartoon so funny to us? Because it speaks about human nature. We go through life carrying a bunch of sticks that are remind us about what people did to us. Now, they are real things, some of them are imagined, but people did things to us when we were children. Sometimes parents, sometimes relatives, sometimes friends. Sometimes in business, sometimes we were treated unjustly. We carry the stick. Okay. Today I want you to understand and, and, and see what we're supposed to do with the stick. Okay? And uh, in a moment we're going to have the scripture read, and it's Matthew 18. And I see that some of you have your Bible, so I want you to turn to Matthew 18. And I'm going to place now in context uh, the scripture that is about to be read and that is about to be dramatized. Uh, if you're a student of, of the Bible, you, you would know maybe that Matthew has five discourses. They're like sermons. Uh, Matthew is the story of the life of Christ, but five times you have these packages of Jesus' teachings. The Sermon on the Mount would be one of them, and here in chapter 18 is one on the church. <coughs> Matthew is the only gospel that mentions the word church. It does in chapter 16, and it does here in chapter 18. Now, if this was put together of Jesus' teachings by Matthew for a purpose, it, part of that purpose is about the church. So chapter 18, by the way, you're going to see some points about what the church should be like. Uh, it begins with the story of children, and Jesus says, the greatest among you will be humble like children. So this is the first characteristic of the Christian community. If you want to know how this church needs to be seen in the community, it needs to be seen as humble. That's how we need to be seen. Ephesians 4 tells us that, like little children. The second truth 
that uh, the church needs to be seen as seeking. In verse 10, there's the parable of the lost sheep. That's one of the values here is reaching out to lost people. The third characteristic is seen in verses 15 uh, through uh, verse 20, which is about redeeming people who have fallen into sin. And the final characteristic is found in verses 21 to the end of the chapter. It needs to be seen as forgiving. Now, this is what we need to do with the stick. Okay. So hear the word of the Lord now as verses 21 to the end of the chapter. Peter says to Jesus, you know, how many times am I supposed to forgive? The rabbis taught seven times, see. And notice Jesus answers. Here's the word of the Lord. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. Potent. Parable, the unforgiving, the unmerciful servant. Now, review it again in this three-act play. Hear the word of the Lord. Prologue. Peter has just asked the question, seven? Jesus answers, 70 times seven. Then he tells the following story. Act one. The Ten Million Dollar Man. It is inventory day in the king's palace. All accounts are due. Among them is A, who owes ten million dollars and cannot pay. The king orders him sold out, including sale of man, wife, children into slavery to gain settlement. The man pleads, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. Out of pity, the king releases him and forgives him his debt. Act 2. 
the $20 debtor. As he walks out of the courtroom, the $10 million man runs into friend B, a $20 debtor. Throttling him, he demands, pay me what you owe me. Have patience, I will pay you. Nothing doing, he replies, and has him thrown into debtor's prison until he comes up with the 20. Act three, life imprisonment. The friends of both who saw this take place were very distressed, and they reported all this to the king. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt at your request. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In anger, the king delivered him into the tortures until he had paid all. Epilogue. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of God. Some reflections. We all owe a debt we cannot pay. Reflection two. Our gracious master has forgiven us all our debt. Spurgeon used to preach about forgiveness and would tell the story about a man named Hill who was entrusted with a large amount of money. And the money was to be given to a poor pastor. And Mr. Hill understood that the amount was so great that maybe the pastor couldn't handle it all at once. So he sent him an envelope filled with cash and a note saying, this is for you. It's anonymously given, and there's more to come. And sometime later, he got another envelope, more cash, another note, more to follow. Later still, another envelope more cash with the note, more to follow. And that went on for some years. And Spurgeon likened that unto us. We receive freely grace, forgiveness. But there's more to follow. And Spurgeon said when we receive forgiveness, we are made justified. We are justified in God's sight. Made to look just as if we've never sinned. But there's more to follow. We are adopted like children into God's family. But there's more to follow. We are made heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But there's more to follow. In the glorious eternity to be, will be displayed before the universe and reign with him. But there's more to follow. Third observation. Because we've received so much, we therefore need to forgive. N nobody deserves it. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. But because I've freely received I freely give. 
And one more very important reflection. When I refuse to forgive, I place myself in prison. And the bars are much worse than the bars at Alcatraz. The bars are the bars of hate and resentment and anger, which keep me in prison the rest of my life. I think we need to go to the, uh, do we need to go directly to the uh, video, or do you have another question? Well, let me just, one more. I think mm -hmm. we're okay. Um, because I, I want to ask the question, is this a serious problem in the church? And in, if it is, what do we do about it? Is this a serious problem in the church? I don't know your church really well, but churches back in Oregon, it's a problem in every church. We all have these resentments. And the church needs to be a place of absolute freedom. Like, I've been forgiven. I have freely received. And therefore, I freely give. The number one problem overseas with missionaries is their inability to get along with one another. It's about conflict. You know, not with the nationals. It's about conflict with one another. And, and conflict, it's what we teach in priestmaking, is natural. It's normal. It happens in every church. You know it happens in every family. Not mine, of course, but, you know, other families. Yeah, every family. Conflict is normal, it's natural, it's going to happen. It's what we do with it. Conflict is an opportunity to glorify God. How do I glorify God? By displaying the character of God in humility and forgiveness and love. It's an opportunity to glorify God. It's an opportunity to serve other people. It's an opportunity to grow. Forgiveness is a very important part of this equation. Yes, it's a problem in every church. And we don't hold up the church as, look, we've got it all together. No, look, we're a bunch of sinners. Look, take your hands with me. We have received. And therefore, we freely give. Wow. That's the church. Powerful picture. It's wow. a powerful demonstration. Well, speaking of demonstrations, let's watch this video just for a few minutes and we'll come back. Okay. These are people who are on the journey. This church is about being on the journey. Let us pray. Where I pray aloud and you identify, would you pray silently? 
going to be two parts to this prayer. Examine me, O God, and try me. Purify my heart and mind. Forgive me for the things I have done that I shouldn't have done. Would you speak these silently to the Lord? Lord, forgive me for the things I have not done that I should have done. Lord, we've all sinned and fallen short of your design for us. We have disobeyed your commandments. Forgive us. We take the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as a covering for our sins. Thank you, Lord. We take your forgiveness. Now, before I pray the second part of the prayer, I have an announcement to make. Look at me. Very important announcement. If we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the Holy Gospel. Amen. Amen. Now let's pray some more. As I pray aloud, where you find agreement, you pray silently. Lord, each of us has been sinned against. We've all experienced abuse, verbally, many of us physically, some of us sexually. We've been done wrong by people in our family and people in our neighborhood and people in business. Yes, Lord, and people in our churches. We long for justice, but we give up seeking revenge and leave this up to you. And instead of striking back, we choose to forgive as you have forgiven us. Now ask God to bring to your mind some people who have wronged you. And silently say, Lord, I choose to forgive them because you've forgiven me. Lord, I choose to forgive them because you've forgiven me. Say that to God. Here's the way out. Get rid of the stick. I choose to forgive them because you have forgiven me. After this service today, you may need to go to some people, or maybe in church, maybe people in your neighborhood, maybe family, and you need to speak the magic words, I was wrong. That's what people were saying in the vignette. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. On the table in the foyer is a brochure called The Peacemaker, Peacemaking Principles. 
it's about peacemaking ministry. We're, we're not trying to sell our ministry. We're not asking for support on our ministry. We're trying to give you the biblical principles about peacemaking in your family and peacemaking in your home. These are for you. Hear this song. Let's just listen. Can I ask you a prayer, would you please? God's help Can we try stick, that the power of forgiveness, Lord, would be experienced in our lives, in the lives of those around us, in our church. God, it's sometimes the simple things that are the hardest things to do. And uh, this, Lord, we want to get good at. We want to do it well. And so help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. <laughs> 